I too say thank you for allowing us to come and share. It's a privilege for me to be able to go along with the crowd and I get to hear them practice for about three months and then I get to hear them share programs. And um, the more I hear these songs, the more they bless me. I also thank you for uh, those who led out in the service uh, opening up and I was blessed as we sat here and sang together while people continued to come in. One of the songs that was uh, put up on the screen that we sang, Christ Be Our Light. And I believe it was the last phrase in the second verse that we prayed, make us your living voice. Make us your living voice. This morning, I'd like to direct our thoughts along the lines of the voice of the Lord. I invite you to open your Bible, if you have it, to Psalm 29. Psalm 29, verse 1. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his, his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The glory of the God of glory thundereth, the Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian, like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve, and discovereth the forest, and in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. I believe this is the psalm that the song was written from, the voice of the Lord that the chorale sang this morning. I don't really plan to make comments from this song, this psalm, but I would like our thoughts, and I don't plan to bring, I don't know if there's going to be anything new brought this morning. But as we look into God's word, I trust that it'll stir us up and uh, encourage us on in serving our Lord. There are three things that I'd like for us to think about this morning about the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord brought about creation. The voice of the Lord gives direction. 
And the voice of the Lord gives constitution. The voice of the Lord. You may go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, to those of us who were raised going to church each week, maybe seems like old hat. Maybe it seems like old hat. I would like to encourage us as Christian brothers and sisters that we never cease being amazed with Genesis chapter 1. As people come to Christ, over the years they have been encouraged to read the book of John, the Gospel of John, and that is good. That's a good book. But it's so important that we get a hold of Genesis. And maybe should be the book that's recommended to read first. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Let's just pause there. In the beginning, there was God. For God always was, and God always will be. The beginning of time. This is maybe the chief principle that we need to grasp as human beings. In the beginning, God. He always was and always will be God, Elohim, the supreme, the almighty, the potentate. There is none higher. The sovereign, the creator, the sustainer. He created. He made from nothing. The heaven, the visible arch, lofty, the sky, as well as the higher heaven, where the celestial bodies revolve. And he made earth, the ground, the field, the country, the world. In 1 Chronicles 16, 26, for all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Psalm 102, 25, of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of thy hands. Job 26, 7, He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. He hangeth the earth upon nothing. And yet here we are. Psalm 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Isaiah 6, 3, Isaiah, in a vision, saw seraphims crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
The whole earth is full of his glory. But it wasn't always full of his glory. We see there that verse 2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The likings of a desert, an abyss, a surging mass of water. How long? How long was heaven and earth like this? I'm not sure. I don't know. What is it? A thousand years or as a day to the Lord? And a day is a thousand years? I don't know how long that there... But what we want to grasp is that the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. The Spirit of God moved upon the waters, and oh, what a wonderful, awesome difference is brought about when the Spirit of God moves. What an awesome, wonderful difference happens and we see it right here at the beginning. In verses 3 through 5, we have the first day. And what brings it about? It's the voice of the Lord. And God said, God spoke, and he spoke light into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He divided the light from darkness, giving day and night. Can we already see that the potentate, the sovereign one, is a God of order? He's a God of order. Day two, verses six through eight, God spoke the firmament into existence. The sky, the visible arch separating the sea from the mist, vapors in the sky, and he called it heaven. Day three, verses nine through 13, God spoke dry land into existence. He called it earth. He spoke vegetation and how it would bear fruit and have seed. Verses 14 through 19, day four, God spoke the sun, moon, and stars into existence. For signs, seasons, days, years, the sun to rule the day and the moon to rule the night. And verse 17, God set them in the sky. He just... Set them in the sky. Day four, the sun came around. I mean, God, it didn't just come around. God spoke it into existence. God created it. But he had created light before that, right? I thought the sun's what brought the light. I'm maybe a little crazy, but... Uh, I think there's a difference. I believe the word. You think about that sometime. Something to meditate upon. Day 5, verses 20 through 23, God spoke the fish of the sea and the birds of the air into existence, giving them the ability to and desiring that they multiply and fill the waters and the earth. Day 6, 24 through 31, God spoke the land animals into existence. Basically, uh, 
most of the things that we see and touch, we can trace back to what? The voice of the Lord. We can trace it back to the voice of the Lord. God spoke it into existence. On day six, God did something very special that if we think about you and me, we trace it back not to being spoken to existence, but it seems like God came down and he took earth that he had spoken to existence and he formed it. Seems like God touched and created man, created Adam. And then after it was made evident, made obvious to Adam that he should have help, God took a rib from Adam and he formed woman. Again, touching, forming. The relationship is what I would like us to, to grasp there. God desires relationship with us and he came near. Solomon, we know as the wisest man, right? Samson, we know as the strongest man. Do you know what Adam was? Adam and Eve, Adam was the youngest man, the youngest man. Sometimes it's just good to just stop and think. Oh, day one, he was an adult. He was a man. Eve, day one, she was a woman. Think about that when little Cain came along and how they must have. <laughs> Eve, you know, he looks like us, but he's so little. I don't know how it all was, but uh, just awesome. But we're, we're getting on a bunny trail. The topic this morning is the voice of the Lord. If you're there in Genesis yet, go to chapter 3. This is after Adam and Eve went against the rule that God gave them. They went ahead and took of the fruit of the tree that they were not to eat. And in verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman which thou gavest to me. And we know how this goes, the finger pointing. But this morning, I want us to, I'm not sure what imagery comes into your mind when we read that, uh, the voice of the Lord was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I'm not 100% sure how to picture that. But I think what it really means for us to grasp this morning is a, the whole idea that God the Creator desires relationship time to communicate with you and me. And it seems, I think I'm okay in assuming that each day 
God came and communed with Adam and Eve. And this was just that regular time. He came. But this time, Adam and Eve didn't want to. They were guilty. They weren't prepared to meet their creator. The question for you and I, this morning as we think about creation and as we see the glory of the Lord about us, are we welcoming the voice of the Lord coming in the cool of the day? Maybe your regular time is in the morning, maybe it's in the evening, but may we be prepared. May we each day get our hearts in tune with the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord brought about creation. And what a wonderful, awesome chapter that is for us to read and know and believe. Secondly, the voice of the Lord gives direction. I'd like to think about a couple examples in Scripture. Uh, let's just go to Genesis chapter 12. I appreciated the brother sharing in devotions. Um, and I guess he kind of expressed somewhat of my own heart as I take notes. Um, I don't often refer back to them, but sometimes I do. And it ends up being a blessing when I look back on what other brothers have shared. And uh, he did touch, someone has shared about Abraham. And Abraham is such a good example for us today and quite a story. Just like to think about the voice of the Lord speaking to Abraham and a bit of his response and what Scripture says about him a little. In chapter 12, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in him and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham, Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Just pause. Uh, we're going to stop reading there. God spoke, the voice of the Lord came to Abram, somehow, by looking at his family's situation, worshiping idols and that type of thing, from what I understand, somehow Abram was in tune with God. So depending on what your background looks like, don't be discouraged by that. God can call you out of wherever you're at. You don't have to be raised in a Christian home. God, I think, brings great blessings when we have been raised in a Christian home. I am thankful for it, so thankful. But God can call out of a different situation, and I believe Abram is somewhat of an example of that. Somehow he knew that this was the voice of the Lord. God was calling him, and he said, come out from. He called him out of the land of Ur. And he said, I'll show you a land. I'll show you the land. You know, that there's a little bit hard for me to grasp that, uh, that I would 
just go ahead and go with that, not knowing where I'm going, that I'm going to have a place to live, what it's going to be like, and that I would get my family to go along with me. Maybe I'd need to be a better salesman than I am. I'm not sure. But Abram got up and went at the voice of the Lord, calling him out, and he said, I will show you. He trusted him. And any of us who allow God to call us out from the life of sin, and we believe God, that is how we end up calling Abraham Father Abraham. And I don't know if you know the song, Father Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them. That's how it is, because he's the father of faith, um, believing God and doing it. Please go to Genesis 22. Genesis chapter 22. And this here is the account, again, of God speaking to Abram. And somehow he must have known for sure this is God's voice because of what God was calling him to do and that he got up and did it. But God called him to offer his son Isaac, his only, the promised son, Isaac, to offer him up. God was testing Abram, and uh, I see his name is Abraham now, so I'll try to say it proper. Uh, Abraham rose up early, and he went ahead and went out there. And let's pick up in uh, verse 9. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen, or it shall be provided. Jehovah-Jireh, our provider. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven a second time, and he said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice." God speaking to Abraham and giving him that blessing because he obeyed his voice. He heard it, he obeyed it. Let's think quickly about Elijah. Elijah is quite a man, quite a prophet. 
1 Kings 18 and 19 are just some awesome chapters to read and try to think how it was if you'd have been there as a part of it. But God had called and spoke to Elijah and told him to tell the king that there's going to be three years of famine, and that happened. And then God told Elijah to go back and tell him to gather all the prophets of Baal together and come up to Mount Carmel, and they were going to have that uh, showdown, and they did. The prophets of Baal cried and cried, and no fire came down, but then Elijah cried out to God, and fire came down and consumed that, that altar. <clears throat> then, after Elijah had those prophets of Baal put to death, then he went up back up on the mountain and he prayed, prayed that the rain would come and he sent his, his servant, go look in the sky. I think that was seven times. Finally, the, the servant came back and said, there's, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, tell Ahab to get back to Jezreel. There's a great rain coming. I don't know if you ever think about this. I'm sure you have. But how the Spirit of God must have came upon Elijah that he could outrun those horses and chariots back to Jezreel. But there he went, running through the rain, leading the chariot back into Israel, Jezreel. The next day, I think it's the next day, word comes to Elijah that Ahab had told Jezebel all that had happened. All that had happened. Jezebel said, I'm not sure exactly the words, but Elijah is going to be dead. We're going to have Elijah killed like he killed the prophets of Baal. And you would think after such a great victory and after God working in his life so greatly that Elijah would have just stood like a rock knowing that God can do anything. How big is your God? But beware after a great victory. Oh, the devil comes and he wants to take us down. After a great victory, beware. Elijah was shook. And he ran. He fled for his life. And I understand that, if, if I understand where he actually went, I understand he went all the way on down to Mount Sinai. And there in Mount Sinai, he experienced that earthquake. God wasn't in it. He experienced that fire. God wasn't in it. I'm not sure if there was something else yet or not. Maybe a whirlwind, great wind. But then, as Elijah was there, there was a still, small voice. And Elijah wraps his mantle around his face and he stands there. And God asked him the question that he had asked him before. He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah gave the same response, the same sob story, that he's the only one left, and they're trying to kill him. I find it interesting. 
that God doesn't go on a long lecture. I'll just say it real short what God told him to do. In my own words, he said, Elijah, get back to work. <laughs> he said, go anoint this person, anoint that person, anoint Elisha in your stead. And It wasn't time for a big sob story or a pity party. So go get back to work. Isaiah 30. I'd like to read those verses. I think they are so uh, verses of our loving God. Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah 30 verse 12. Wherefore thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness, and stay thereon. Trying to see if I'm in the right place here. Let's try verse 15. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And ye would not, verse 18, and therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity, and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. Israel was in the place, and I, I did not do research on that, but it, they were in the same kind of place that they often found themselves, not serving God. But this, these verses talk of our gracious, loving Lord, and He's still the same today. How He loves us and cares for us, He wants to be that voice behind us, giving us direction. Let's listen for it. Jonah heard the voice of the Lord, turned the other way and tried to get away. Well, we all know what he found out. God was there, right? He couldn't get away from God. We can't run from God. Finally, after being disciplined, Jonah was willing to listen and go. Thirdly, the voice of the Lord gives constitution. We could go to Exodus chapter 19, verse 19. It talks about the voice of the Lord coming, talking to Moses and, uh, in chapter 20. God gives the Old Testament law there. He gives the Ten Commandments. I'm going to take us with that thought in our minds. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. If your Bible... Uh, has red letter words for the words of Jesus 
you'll see that these are the words of our Lord, the voice of the Lord speaking the Sermon on the Mount. And I trust that you believe this is the established law for us to live by. Verse 17, then uh, hear Jesus speaking, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Not to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill. And as we think about the voice of the Lord, Jesus is referred to as the Word in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is, or was, uh, at the time of Him being here on earth, He was the voice of the Lord, the living voice of the Lord, right here on earth. The end of chapter 7. The last two verses, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Jesus was there at creation. And when God said something, it happened. He is the authority. No wonder the people were amazed at his teaching. He taught his one that had authority. He is the authority. There's victory in Jesus. Jesus is the victory as he is our living hope. I'd like to give you a collage of verses. Talk about God's word or about his voice. Please listen to these. And I will try to bring this message to a close. Psalm 119.89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It's settled. It's established law. Isaiah 48, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Matthew 5.18, For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law. Till all be fulfilled. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. 1 Peter 1, 25. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. There are lots of ways we could have went with thinking about the voice of the Lord. I would like to promote this book just quickly. Maybe you have it in your homes, Missionary Stories with the Millers, especially if you have children. To read these stories to them, I think it's just a wonderful thing to do. In here... There's a story entitled Lost, and it didn't happen all that long ago. It was back in 1992. It'd be interesting to see how many hands would go up who agree with me that it wasn't long ago. 1992, in Belize, in Creek Sarco, 
there was a clinic and there was a lady who had walked there, took about three hours to walk there. She had a baby and uh, uh, another child that was old enough to walk along. It was about mid-afternoon when they headed out to head back home. They had been treated and they were heading home. And she said to her, the one that could walk, she said, Patrona, we need to hurry. We want to get home before dark. And as they went the main trail, all of a sudden she said, let's take this here uh, shortcut. It was a, a side trail. And they followed that and realized that it's not a trail that has been being used very much at all. But she thought it was going to get them home sooner. Well, they followed that for a while, and then the sky got black, and there was a storm, there was a rain, as they'd gotten under a big tree, and that took up some more time. And then they tried to go on, and following this trail got harder and harder. And they came to a big open area, and Patrona said to, to her mother, Katerina, she said, what's this? And they looked, and oh, this is an old cornfield. There was, stalks were still, the stubs were still there in straight rows. And she said, well, where's the trail now? And she hunted around and, oh, here goes the trail, or is it the trail, she thought. So they, it continued to get darker and darker, and uh, they kept finding their way, trying to find their way, and after a while they came to a big open area. She said, what is this? Matrona said, this is the cornfield. She said, oh, we must have went in a circle. Well, we won't be able to get home tonight. So we just, they sat down in the field and uh, they were listening to the night sounds. Was that a jaguar they heard? Uh, and then there was a chug, 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 uh, the Creek Sarco generator. Katerina said, well, we mustn't be too far from the mission. If we could go directly there, if we could just follow the sound, she decided to let the baby with Patrona sitting in the field. She said, you stay here. I'll be able to travel much faster by myself. And she headed for the chug, chug, chug of the generator, running as fast as she could, hands outstretched because it's black, uh, dark, falling headlong two times. Finally, she gets to the Creek Sarko mission about 10.30, knocks on the door, Alvin Schlebach, comes to the door and sees a lady that had just left the mission a couple hours before, but she looks a sight different than what she did. She says, please help me, Alvin. My children are out in the field. We are lost. Uh, so Alvin got some men together. He said, I'll take one of the Christian policemen uh, along. And they headed out. And the night was dark, but they had flashlights, they had bright lights, they got to the, they got to the cornfield, he knew where that cornfield was, and they hunted, and they hunted, Patrona, Patrona, where are you? No answer, no answer, Patrona, Patrona, they called, where could they be? Then they heard a voice. Over here, Alvin said, that's a man's voice. 
Who could be out on a night like this? They started following, and the voice said, over here. And they got closer and closer to the voice, over here. The children are over here. Finally, the voice said one last time, over here. And they were there, and their lights shone on the two children sitting beside a tree. Patrona holding the baby. Alvin said, Patrona, how did you get over here? She said, I thought I heard a jaguar, and we just ran and ran. But where's the man? There's no man here. Well, we heard a man. <laughs> we heard a man. Where's he at? They shone their lights around. Wano said, could it be? <laughs> and they sensed the awe that God was near. In 1992, God's still the same God. Loving. He has a voice, and he would that we would hear it. So often we hear his voice by reading it. We have his word. And his spirit dwells within the Christian, and he guides us into all truth. And would we be willing to hear it? I just want to close with this thought that was brought to me in a devotional this week. That we would go forth, that we would live, or that we would be living loved. Living loved. 1 John 4 9 through 11 tells us that we did not first love God, but that he loved us. He sent his son for us, and since he loved us so much, then we should love others. So often, maybe we as preachers, and as sort of what the devotional told me, that we as preachers, we tell the people that we should love each other. But you know what? We need to first say that we are loved. You are loved. God loves you so much. We sing the children's song, Oh, be careful, little hands. Oh, be careful, little feet. Oh, be careful, little eyes. So on and so forth. And I often have thought about that song, maybe a little bit like the world's uh, song around Christmas time, that you better be good because Santa Claus is coming to town. That's not what this song's about. This song is, Oh, be careful, little hands. There's a father up above watching over us in love. You're loved, brothers and sisters. There's a father up above watching over us in love. Let's bow our heads to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God Almighty, thank you so much for loving us, for caring about us, for desiring a relationship with us. We are the work of your hands. It's because of you that we can be here this morning, be sustained. Please bless this brotherhood. Father, I pray for this congregation. I pray that as we go from here, we would truly allow you to work in and through us. Thank you for loving us, watching over us, 
Lord, we just want to give honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.